You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. For this episode, we'll be talking about Harry Nielsen, Nielsen Schmielsen. In the room, I have Rob. Yes. And Sean. Hello. <laughs> Nielsen Schmielsen is the seventh album by American singer Harry Nielsen, released on RCA Records in November 1971. The producer was Richard Perry, and the genre is rock and pop. And I'm going to read from All Music Review, Stephen Thomas, Earl Wine. Harry Nielsen had a hit, a Grammy, and critical success, yet he didn't have a genuine blockbuster to his name when it came time to finally deliver a full-fledged follow-up to Nielsen Sings Newman. So he decided it was time to make that unabashed mainstream pop rock album. Hiring Barbara Streisand's producer Richard Perry as a collaborator, Nielsen made a streamlined, slightly domesticated, unashamed set of mature pop rock with a slight twist. This is an album, after all, that begins by pining for the reckless days of youth, then surges into a snapshot of suburban disconnectedness before winding through a salute to the covers of old R&B tunes early in the morning and let the good times roll, respectively. Druggy humor with coconut and the surging hard rock jump into the fire. There are certainly hints of Nielsen of old, particularly in his fondness for Tin Pan Alley and McCarthy Mellicism, as well as his impish wit. Yet he hadn't made a record as cohesive as this since his first time out, nor had he ever made something as shiny and appealing as this. It may be more accessible than before, yet it's anchored by his mischievous humor and wonderful idiosyncrasies. Chances are that those lured in by the grandly melodramatic Without You will not be prepared for either the subtle charms of the Moonbeam song or the off-kilter sensibility that makes up his breeziest pop slightly strange. In short, it's a near-perfect summary of everything Nielsen could do. He could be craftier and stranger, but never did he achieve the perfect blend and balance as he did here. All right, what do we think of Nielsen Schmielsen? What did you think of it, Sean? It's okay. <laughs> uh, what are you wearing right now, Sean? It's just a shirt I had uh, on the top of my pile of shirts because uh-huh. I wore it the most. Uh-huh. Um, and what does it say on it? It says Nielsen Schmielsen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I washed it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure you are the biggest Nielsen fan I know. If you knew a bigger one, I would fight them. Okay, okay, fair enough. All right, I, did we all just love this album? I didn't. I, this is the first time I've ever listened to it, like ever. 
Like, and I'm so surprised by how many songs that I was like equating to other bands. It was just fucking <laughs> Nilsson. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy how good this is. And yeah, uh, yeah I. Bleh. It's been on constant repeat for like the past four days. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the first time I heard it, but maybe I, maybe it was like the Reservoir Dogs or the some sort of Tarantino or something when I heard Coconut or I feel like I've heard it on the radio like all my life. My dad used to sing that song. Yeah. And everyone's dad did. And yeah. you're like, oh, that song but you never dug in. It's sort of the the same way I felt about the Beach Boys, where it was like you see this like sort of like kooky song, and you never really think about it, give it a second thought, and then someone uh, I believe like is like late high school or college or something. Someone was like, "Oh, Harry Nielsen is awesome," and this is like the album. This is like the gateway. I feel like yeah for Nielsen. It, later, it can get like more interesting and stranger and before it's more like uh singer songwriter stuff mm-hmm. but this just has it everything yeah i everything think there's there's nilson for everybody across his <laughs> there is there's a, there's a nilson there for is, every person. but i think this is the nilson for everybody like you, you just can't deny this album and also i mean as cohesive as it was like every song is different from the last yeah yeah it, it like what a what a guy with an idea yeah like it just it, yeah, it's 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 a perfect encapsulation of like what a person could do with a song like yeah, and they're all great. Which a lot of it was Richard Perry. This was their first time working together, and Nilsson showed up with a bunch of song ideas he had that were just kind of like snippets, you know. And Richard Perry was definitely like a a pop star's producer, so he really knew how to shape a song. So um, they would kind of go from what Nilsson had and then build it into something. So they would like start with just the instrumental part if they didn't have enough lyrics or if they had a ton of lyrics they'd have to write their instrumental part but like they really built it together and sometimes like Perry would kind of you know cobble together an instrumental part from ideas that Nilsson had and he'd be like okay well we still need lyrics for this and then Nilsson would just sit on the floor and write them and like 15 minutes later they have a song but like <laughs> he needed somebody to push him to do that you know so like otherwise he would just have this like kind of these weird concepts swimming because like the songs on this record are not quite as like quick and clever as some of his older lyrics. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah. Like, it's, it seems like they were an after, they're so brilliant. So, like, some really, really great lyrics in this record, but they were more focused on just making, like, a good song as a whole thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 It doesn't feel overtly, um, how should I put it? I don't know. He's not trying, not trying to be too clever. Mm-hmm. You know, it just feels, like, very solid. Yeah. Like, it feels like you said it's kind of brilliant, but at the same time, it's you can you can go overboard with lyrics and trying to be too clever within songs and, and really kind of turn people off. Was the album before this the uh, uh, Randy Newman? Nielsen sings Newman. Yeah. And yep. I mean, coming off of that, like Randy Newman's a a guy who can turn a word. Yeah. He can write a song. Turn, turn a phrase sure. real yeah. real quick. I don't yeah. know. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to hear what that sounds like now. Oh, it's, it's awesome. Prob- I, that's probably my favorite. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big Randy Newman fan too, but uh, Nilsson really brought the the things that Newman's not able to bring to life because of his limited vocal range. He, yeah. He elevated it quite a bit. But um, yeah, this also, I mean, like to the point about, you know, him being able to change somebody else's song um, without you is a Badfinger song. And so like Badfinger's version is a great song. I really love it, you know, but it's kind of 
Is it a Badfinger song, or yes. did, were there just two dudes from Badfinger that were recording it with him on this? No, no, it's a Badfinger song. Okay. They, they did yeah. it originally. Yeah, and right. um, and it's it's great, you know, and it's melancholy, and you know, but it's it's a little more choppy and more of like a, a pop song. And he just like he his first like demo of this of Without You, um, you can hear it on Spotify. It's in the demo section. Oh yeah, it's, I've it's, heard it. It's really rough. <laughs> yes. but it's great. It's like rough in a really wonderful way and he wanted that to be the version they released he oh. wanted that to be like the version <laughs> on the album and richard perry was like absolutely not and they really butted heads over that but richard perry had asked for complete creative control over the record beforehand and he was like you said so you have to do it and so they ended up redoing it but i think they did struggle because richard perry was totally a guy who was like you're gonna do take after take after take until we get this right and that's a song that requires so much raw emotion that they had to kind of figure out how to you know, kind of capture lightning in a bottle a bunch of times, mm-hmm. you know. Worked out, though. Oh, got, yeah. He got a Grammy for uh, song, Performer of the Year. Yeah. Is, is what he got. Yeah, I think he was nominated it, for Best Song, too. Uh, was, yeah, was, they call it Record of yeah, the Year, which it, just yeah. means, you yeah. know, essentially kind of song. Yeah, I think he had year. a couple nominations that year and won one. Yeah, Performer of the Year. Mm-hmm. Or is like male vocal performer yeah. or something like that. Uh, great song, too. Mm-hmm. Also very, very awesome in Spanish. Yes. I love I love that there's a Spanish version <laughs> of it. There's also an Italian version is called really? Perky. Yeah. Does he sing it? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's, that's also whenever anybody covers that song after him, they just they do the Nilsson version. Nobody covers the Badfinger version. It's true. Yeah. So like to base a cover on a cover is like a it's pretty game changing. Are I you did. saying that he elevated the source material? <laughs> yes. Yeah, probably in this case he did. <laughs> cool. Uh <laughs> Although I would say to counter that, the early in the morning, that is how you, I mean, change how you make it like a blues song completely different. Mm-hmm. It's like a, a, an older blues song and it, it sounds nothing like the original. It's but you can tell it's a blues song. Yeah, it's awesome. It's so good that that sort of uh, it's like sparse and it's got that real groovy just like. Piano tapping behind it, organ tapping behind it. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's yeah. so good. And for like how funny and clever Nelson was, like he always conveyed this really like palpable sense of longing in his songs. And there are some theories about why he was able to access that so easily. And one of which is that his father left when he was very young. And so he just kind of always had this like kind of feeling of being incomplete. And that's kind of how he expressed that feeling, which huh. I think is, you know, makes sense. Translates. Yeah, I'd say so. Early in the morning I can't do right Had a little fight with my baby last night And it's early in the morning Don't you know it's early in the morning Early in the morning I ain't got nothing, no nothing but the I went to your girlfriend's house, but she was out. I knocked on your daddy's door, but he began to shout. And he said, it's early in the morning. Don't you know it's early in the morning? Uh, like, he was considered the American Beatle. Yeah. Well, and it, I mean, he it's a would, joke, but yeah. It, yeah. But he, he was also like possibly in the running to replace Paul, like, in the Beatles. I don't know if any of this is true. I don't know about that This is just the internet gossip I read. Yeah, I don't think that's true. I think 
I do have a question for you, Sean. Okay. I don't or or maybe you should think it think about it. Mm-hmm. Do you think Nielsen would have rose to prominence as much if in that interview with the Beatles, if they had not name dropped him? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think also he had really valuable friendships with the Beatles after that too. Yeah. You know, like John Lennon produced Pussycats. Ringo Starr was one of his best friends. They appeared on each other's stuff all the time. Um, and Nielsen never played live. That was not a thing he did. And that's a thing that like, you know, a lot of artists really rely on and he just refused to do it. He would do warm up for like Top of the Pops. So he would perform in front of an audience once in a while, but he would never be televised. Um, so yeah, no, I don't think so. I think he still would have been, you know, a man of note. I think so too, but yeah. I feel like that, that sort of just instant overnight, like name recognition, everyone was like, oh, who's this guy? Yeah. Who's, oh, where can I get an album? You know, that sort of like that superstardom that the Beatles had and just like by, by not even promoting, they just were like, yeah, Nielsen's awesome. Yeah. And everyone was just like, who, who? Right. Like, and then overnight it was like, oh, now this album comes out. Yeah. New- I think in doing that, he captured uh, such a large quantity of fans so quickly, like to your point. Right. So yeah. And I don't think that would have happened otherwise. Yeah. He might still have gotten there, but I feel like it would have, it really would have, I feel, too, that he might have been frustrated, you know, if, if he hadn't gained that notoriety. Because yeah. he is so, so brilliant. I mean, he's yeah. very, very talented. And I feel like some people, when they get stuck in that 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 place that is just like, I'm doing my best. Right. Why am I not here? Or maybe he wouldn't have gotten the producer. And maybe he mm-hmm. would have never recorded this, like, bad finger this way. Or, right. you know, like, sometimes it just needs that certain you know, uh, certain people in the right place. Yeah. I mean, it's weird though, because he's somebody who didn't weather fame well at all. Like he, um, when he was recording this album, he was married to his second wife, Diane, and they went to London so he could record it. And like, they were actually had to wait because he wanted like his wife to be able to go, but his son had to be old enough, you know? So he, he did love his family, but he really grew apart from his family while recording this album because it was just, um, they mostly recorded it at night. It was at the Trident Studios, which were like really heavily booked and they could only get like, 7 p.m. to 2 a.m. slots or sometimes even like 2 a.m. to the morning. So the whole thing was recorded at night. And that's, you know, that means he's like sleeping all day. He's also partying. You know, in London, people drink way more than they do in L.A., apparently. <laughs> so hmm. he, got, he got really into alcohol at the time. Um, so, you know, he just wasn't connecting with his family at all. And his wife got really fed up. And then, you know, when they were done recording, he went back to L.A. And he continued drinking as if he was in London. And, like, just was, you know, more into drugs. And she ended up leaving him, like, a a year later or so. You know, and, like, he just never really bounced back to being, like, kind of a responsible, you know, level-headed person. He continued partying until, you know, he couldn't anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But this is, like, the album that did that to him. That's why it's so good. Yeah. (laughs) But, like, you know, for all the partying they did, uh, I, I read that the recording process was not a huge party. Like, they, it was mostly just, like, they would record and record and record and like they had all these session guys who'd go home to their families at the end of the night but like Nilsson and and Perry would just stay up like listening back to everything they recorded all night long and the session guys would come back in the morning and realize like oh they've they haven't stopped they've been going all night you know so like they he's a workhorse and I think more so than a party animal or maybe like in equal measure and that's the problem there's no off for Nilsson at this point yeah hmm. and like yeah I got the sense of that too yeah yeah and I think that this just, it's strange. Like this this album, the fame that 
kind of came out of this album too probably enabled him to continue that mm-hmm. uh, sort of lifestyle of of well I did it and this yeah. is fine now I can do whatever I want sort of yeah I think which was great because then he didn't have to do the live performances right I, I do appreciate that but I don't but it's just like kind of sad that it kind of went off the rails a bit yeah they compromised on the live performance thing after this album there's that BBC show um I don't know if I have a bookmark or not. <laughs> I have my very large book with all my bookmarks. Um, but there's a BBC program that was like a like an in-concert or something like that, it's called. And he was the first episode. And so he did a live performance, but there was actually no audience. They just kind of faked like there was an audience with it. Right. Yeah. It's on YouTube. It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. But um, but that was about it. But then his following album was Son of Schmilson. And it was also with Rick Perry. And there was a lot of stuff that kind of echoed back to what happened in his life during the recording of this. Like, you know, losing his wife and just kind of not feeling in control. And, and like, Take 54 is a song on Son of Schmilson. And that's based on all the takes that Perry would require. Huh. Yeah, that one also had the wonderful You're Breaking My Heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, like, the first. He wanted to have, like, the first, like, pop song that had an F. Yeah. Like, an F-bomb in it. Yeah, it didn't work <laughs> Pretty out. Pretty amazing. Yeah, but that was also, the, like, it was partially sort of to his ex-wife. Yeah. But sort of to himself. Yeah. What is the, I mean, gosh, we're listening to Coconut right now, and, like, what is the legacy of this, like, album? It's been in s- so much, like, Is every, it in Reservoir Dogs? I think so. Yeah, it's at the end. Yeah. I hate it's this the, song. It's the title. I don't understand that, though. I don't understand being a huge fan of, of Nielsen yeah. and then not liking Coconut. I, so, just, I just don't like it. <laughs> like it just I is think there something about it that you could pinpoint or so I often struggle when he does like a fake Jamaican accent which he does a lot over the course of his career oh. zombie jamboree and there are a few other ones um but I mean I did read about the song and it made me accept it a little more what is what what what's the song so about? the concept of the song is basically like you know, you put the lime in the coconut, you get sick, you call the doctor, the doctor says, well, here's what you do, you put the lime in the coconut, and it's cyclical, and he's like, it's kind of like when you drink whiskey and it makes you sick, so you drink whiskey to feel better, and then you get sick, like, it's just this cycle of, basically, that's like kind of the, the drug illusions, you know? Okay. Like, yeah. So lime in the coconut is just the cyclical nature of, like, substance abuse, basically, but he also liked the word coconut and wanted to put it in a song, because it's so rhythmic. Coconut. Yeah, and he just kind of came up with this, so, you know, that's... I get it, and I and it's a very simple song, and I guess when they're recording it, they struggled with that because the urge is to kind of noodle on stuff, especially when it's like a kind of a jamming song like that is, but the song is too straightforward and you're not supposed to, so they all kind of had to right. rein it in and just... And I think it. it harkens back to the Tin Pan Alley. Is that something that you, kind of turns you off? The sort of like McCartney, like cutesy, like yeah. Tin Pan Alley? Okay, I could see that, because Nielsen has a lot, like... He's a chameleon within, mm-hmm. especially within this album. Like yeah. everything, every song on this album, you could pick out and say, "Oh, here, here's this song," and then you you skip to any other song, and it would be like, "This is a completely different album, right?" Yeah, everything feels uh, dis- like separate but symmetrical in in a strange, weird, weird way. Um, uh, Richard Perry sequenced it that way on purpose. Also, the sequencing is wonderful. Yeah. It is as well. Yeah, I think that I'm always commenting on like sequencing because when someone does it right, it just feels so good to listen to uh, that like straight through. Yeah, I think. Well, I mean, you know, it was a time when they were planning songs in terms of album sides too. So I think yeah. they did a really good job with opening and closing each side. I think. 
Yeah, and then jump in the fire. Yeah, um, I think that Goodfellas is the yep. first time I heard that. Yeah. yeah, that song, that might be actually the first Nilsson song I knowingly heard when I was a teenager. Interesting. And I was like, this is for me. What <laughs> and the I never turned back. fuck is going on with the bass in that song? Like, okay. is he actually just like tuning he is. down? He is. As he's, yes, and okay. that wasn't planned. And he, like, it was one of those things I've been playing for a long time. And, and you know, he was like, I know they're going to like just, he thought the engineer was going to be like, thank you, and like shut the tape off. And like, he started doing it and nobody said anything. And he's like, all right. Like, he was just feeling kind of loopy from all the playing. Mm-hmm. And so all he did was just like loosen it and just keep going and going and going. And they ended up leaving it in. It sounds awesome. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it was totally on the fly. That was not planned. Wow. Was, yeah. Yeah, I was I was really wondering about that. I was like, mm-hmm. that, that's bases don't hit. That, yeah, I might have a quote about that. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, it was it was really great, and like I love that you know for all they did, like the um, all the structure on that record, they allowed that. Yeah, I've got it. Do you want to hear about it? I would love to. All right, let's see. Flowers himself had no intention of doing anything unusual. He really just clowning around. The fade went on a bit, and normally the engineer would say thank you through the headset, and we'd stop. But as it happened, the order to stop never came. So for a laugh, I slowly detuned the bottom string until it was flapping about. A bit silly, really. Just the sort of thing us musos would do at the time. <laughs> no real rea- reaction from those up in the control us tower. Kids. Yeah. Musos. <laughs> musos. No real reaction from those up in the control tower. But ever since, forums, discussion groups, space magazines keep contacting me for inside information. On the finished track, there's a wild guitar solo from John Urib. How do you pronounce that? U-R-I-B. I don't know. Uh, backed up by spedding with some extra rhythm guitar. Uh, playing added by Klaus Foreman. Spedding continued. Um, he was hanging around the studio waiting for us to record the track so he could do his overdubs. He never played on the backing with us. But yeah, they, that yeah. was just, it just happened. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I, I was saying earlier the um, song two is driving along. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, it, it, it really does sound like Squeeze. Like Squeeze, Squeeze stole a. <laughs> yeah. And that had never occurred to me, but I think yeah, you're completely it's, right. Yeah, it's absolutely there. Yeah, and I don't know. Uh, yeah, he, he's a fucking chameleon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd say, too, I mean, I always got, <clears throat> I know it was brought up that the Beatles liked Harry Nielsen. I feel like that the they were probably influenced by him, and he was influenced by, by them. I mean, <laughs> it is a bit like that, uh, what would you say, songwriter mentality or that sort of, uh, I think he is a, quite a bit cle- more clever in writing mm-hmm. um, for a lot of the songs. And I do appreciate, I mean, I guess it's, it's song by song, which, which yeah. one is better or. It's also like or, British versus American sensibilities. Yeah, yeah totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
but Nielsen is yeah so so awesome. Oh, what, what is uh, another another little scoop I got off the internet? Yeah, was, uh, John Lennon's Lost Weekend, mm-hmm. which turned oh. into a year. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and Nielsen was his drinking buddy. Yep. yep. Uh, yeah, I got a little quiz for you guys. I'll oh, go ahead God. and pull that out. I'm, I'm gonna blow it. Uh, multiple choice. <laughs> okay. Uh, we'll do not multiple choice, and then if you don't know it, we'll okay. do multiple choice. How about that? Okay. All right. The first one is 19. 19- 73 found Nielsen back in California when John Lennon moved there during his separation from Yoko Ono. The two musicians rekindled their earlier friendship. Uh, Their time together in California became known much more for the heavy drinking than it did for musical collaboration. In a widely publicized incident, the two were ejected from the Troubadour nightclub in West Hollywood for drunkenly heckling who? Smothers Brothers. Yep. Smothers (laughs) Smothers <laughs> Brothers. Definitely. Definitely Smothers Brothers. <laughs> All right. Two. On the cover of the John Lennon, Harry Nielsen album, Pussycats, there's a visual inside joke uh, that spells what? Drugs. Yep. Ding, 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 ding. Oh. It's a, it's a D children's block and then a rug and then a uh, G. Or wait. Oh, and S. then an S. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. Last one. Nielsen's 1970s... Uh, Apartment. Uh, Keith Moon and Mama Cass. Yeah. <laughs> Where is it located? Uh, L- London. Yep. Right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. There you go. <laughs> Keith Moon and Mama Cass both died in Nilsson's apartment. Yep. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Mama Cass was July 29th, 74, and Keith Moon was September 7th, 1978. So Nilsson was actively murdering people. <laughs> yes, yeah, he's also a murderer. People oh, don't know that about shit. him. shit, yeah. Uh, Accomplished. Um, actually, one thing about Keith Moon I do want to say All right, is... I got, I got a bonus round here. Oh, okay, Since Sorry. you're so good at okay, this. Okay, but then, then let me see my Keith Moon thing. It's all an right. apology of sorts. All right, all right. Uh, he played high school baseball with who? Ooh. What famous baseball player? I did know this one because it's in the beginning of the book, but the book is so long. <laughs> I don't know. Carl Yastrzemski. That's right. Yep. Yeah. He also co- committed a crime early on. He robbed a bank. No. What was it? He robbed something. Mm-hmm. Murdered Mama Cass. Did he rob a li- liquor store? Yep. Okay. He worked for a bank and Man, robbed a liquor store. You're really good. <laughs> Thanks. Um, okay, so there's a drum solo they're actually listening to right now uh-huh. on Jump in the Fire. And I have been spreading the lie that it was Keith Moon, which I have a reason for this. It wasn't. Uh, he was filmed playing the drum solo in the uh, Son of Dracula videos. Mm-hmm. So that's why I thought it was yeah. him recorded, but it's not. Yeah. And it's kind of similar to his drumming style. So mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I was wrong, everybody, that I've sold that to. I'm really sorry. <laughs> this is your public apology. This is, yeah. <laughs> I think he can be forgiven. It's fine. Thanks. Uh, yeah. Do we need to say any more about Nielsen? The I mean, cover we, of the do, record is how I feel just about yeah, every yeah, day. Yeah, it's a really good cover. He's holding a hash pipe, right? Of, of I think it's just a regular pipe. Just him hanging out in a bathrobe, <laughs> holding a pipe, just it. just looking rough like just he just so woke rough. up. He's got to get up, man. Yeah, he's got to get up. <laughs> Before the morning comes. So amazing. Yeah, um... They, like, RCA did, like, a promo thing after um, where I think every single they were going to release, they wanted to have the art be whatever object came out of his fridge next or something. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah. It's Uh, good shit. It's amazing. Uh, I don't think we need to go around the room. I think everybody's on the positive (laughs) Positive! on this one. 
Yeah, I'm a I'm a convert. I'm so, I'm so glad. glad. I, I'm so glad I got to listen to this. Uh, yeah. Every now and again, this uh, this book delivers. So yeah, I know. I, I I've known you've been a big fan of it. It just never really crossed my mind. Like. Eh, Put on some Nilsson. Yeah, kind of gives me some credibility, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so much street cred. Uh, the good news, too, is there. he has quite a few albums, and they're mm-hmm. good. Yes. Like, like, yeah, the, the I, soundtrack I, to The Point. Yeah, yeah, soundtrack to The Point. I mean, there's plenty of good albums. It's not like, I feel like he is definitely a consistent artist. Is this the yes. only one we're going to be doing? Mm-hmm. I think so. Oh, I think yeah. it's the only one in the book. But I think you'd really like Son of Schmilson, which okay. is next. Yeah. I think it'd be right up your alley. Yeah. It's definitely like his, it's like this, but angrier. <laughs> but it's, that sounds it's awesome. Richard Perry produced. It's fun. Yeah. Pussycats is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Son of Dracula. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's all Fucking good. Nelson. He also did a soundtrack to Popeye. Yep. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was him. Shit. There's actually a record store day this past year was the Popeye demos. <laughs> That's so amazing. I bought it. <laughs> How is it? It's great. Also, um, on Spotify, if you look up the Popeye soundtrack, they do have a bunch of demos and some additional stuff that's not on the record store they release. And sorry, and there's a version of him singing um, He Needs Me. Well, he's coaching Shelly Duvall through it. And it's just my favorite thing I've ever heard. Like, he's just helping her sing it and, like, talking her through it. It's, like, it's great. Chef's kiss. Spook <laughs> it. All right, wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next time we'll be talking about T Rex Electric Warrior. No, All right, thanks, y'all. Forget tomorrow when I think of all my sorrow. Well, I had you there, but then I let you go. And now it's only fair that I should let you know.